Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. FM 104. It's Room 104, it's Cormac and Saoirse here, and uh, this evening now we're talking about sex addiction. When is it an addiction? When is it someone just saying, or oh, an addiction when really they're just <laughs> they're just acting untoward and acting immorally in a relationship? And uh, what can you do? Is there any warning signs and are there any uh, treatments that you might be able to do to uh, manage this and to treat this? Joining us now is relationship counsellor who specialises in uh, relationship problems, sexual issues and sex addiction. Uh, Mig Bennett. Mig, thanks for popping on. How are things? Hi, hi, Cormac. I'm fine, yes. Thanks for having me. Now, when we talk about sex addiction, a lot of people tend to laugh about this and, you know, it's this kind of running joke, especially among my friends. Oh, he must be addicted to sex. You know, your boyfriend or someone's husband. It's not really a thing, but it is. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, Unfortunately, the term is used rather freely and and inaccurately um, and jokily amongst um, well, amongst a lot of mm. people, and they're just basically saying they're, they're really describing somebody who um, has a high sex drive or who likes sex or perhaps some, you know, a youngster who has quite a lot of girlfriends. Um, it, it's just thrown around like that, but that isn't really sex addiction. Well, sex addiction, it's the addiction bit of it that's the issue, and it's about um, any activity that's sexual that you are compulsive about, that you, you may have tried to stop doing but can't. So, you know, it's, it's not, for example, let's take pornography. Loads of people watch pornography. Couples watch pornography. Pornography can be helpful in a relationship. But it's when you put the compulsive in front of that. So any compulsive watching of pornography where you spend hours and hours doing it, you can't stop, you promise yourself the next day, I'm, I'm not going there again, I'm not going to go back to that. But you find that you do, and you know, it's taking over your life, and it's causing serious consequences. Pornography, for example, often and usually involves masturbation. So the problem will then be twofold. One, that with the timing that you're doing it, you're going to be extremely tired. You may not be getting up in time for work the next day. So there are there are consequences. You may never get to bed at the same time as your partner. But there's physical consequences because masturbation is, is a, a really big thing these days in men's erectile difficulties. And um, it's becoming much more noticeable now that people who are having what they think are erectile problems, and often doctors aren't asking the question about how much they use porn and masturbate to porn. Now, the, the sex addiction part as well, can that be someone who's compulsively like needs to, to have the actual act of sex? And how, like, how would you spot that in, in someone? What kind of behaviours do they display? It often isn't about the actual act of sex. 
it's often about the, the whole sort of package that leads up to sex. For example, if, if people are visiting sex workers, it's the preparation for that, the planning it, the choosing it, that gives them that high. I mean, if you're looking at how you would spot it, it's usually pretty well hidden. It's hidden behind working late, stressful, tired, on a business trip. You know, all those sort of things would, would hide it from. It's not like an alcoholic where you can smell it on the breath mm. or that they're drunk, you know, that you, you can spot those sort of signals. Where does it stem from? In essence, it stems from, it's a soothing technique. All addictions are like an anaesthetic. Um, people use them to soothe the way that they're feeling about anything really in their lives. It might be some really deep trauma or really deep attachment issue that they've never really managed to sort out. And, and youngsters, even really small children, can find that masturbation is a soother. They can't go to a person because perhaps their parents aren't, aren't available for them in one way or another. They may be alcoholic or they may just be have lots of other children, you know, all those sort of things that give children a, a less than positive background of upbringing. So they have to find a thing rather than a person to soothe, and that might be some, there'll be all sorts of things, but often it's an addictive process that they use, and it might, in the in sex addiction, it's probably started from early masturbation. So you're saying that these kind of sexual addictions can happen at an incredibly young age? Cause Without them knowing that it's an addiction then, but there will be a sort of template put down that that's right. somewhere I can go to feel better, and then we might come back to that. A classic example is that somebody probably has used, let's say, porn or sex workers for, for quite a while. Then they find the person they want to spend their life with and they think, actually, no, I'm not going to need to do that. It's all going to be fine. But when into the marriage or the relationship, the going gets tough, be it with the relationship or other issues, maybe a child that's got health problems, they then look, go back into themselves without realizing it and go to old soothing practices, which might be to go back to using porn. I know what I can do. You know, I'm really stressed. When she's gone to bed, I'll go to, I'll go to the computer and I'll start using, using porn and I'll feel better. But the better is short-lived. Is there something that ties in then to the compulsive cheating or the compulsive cheater? Yeah, that's, that's a sort of love addiction in that they feel better when they are in a new relationship, that the high of the new relationship um, gives them a, a really positive feeling about themselves. A lot of people act out online with people they never really meet because they, they perhaps are really nervous about sex or nervous about how attractive they are to other people. And they can pretend to be somebody else online. And the buzz that that gives them, it's all about the brain and the, the, the cycle in the brain of dopamine. You know, it's a, it's a mm. drug that we, and in a way, you're putting in a drug with a syringe or with a bottle. With sex addiction, you're putting in a drug with a behavior. So the syringe is the bit where you plan and start to go towards your high of, let's say, visiting a sex worker. But the addictions it, are all about changing the dopamine levels in the brain yeah. to make you feel better. It's going to be a tough sell trying to get people to sympathise with people who are serial cheaters, but are you saying that there might be there might be a case for people who are genuine sex addicts that they actually need help and not shaming, for want of a better word? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, they do need help, but it's, it's easy for me to say that, and I've worked with partners of sex addicts and it doesn't feel like that to them. It's incredibly shaming to the addict. And sh shame's really interesting because there's always shame around, well, I think there's shame around all the addictions, but 
sex addiction has a higher level of shame because of what you've just said. You know, there's a, it's thrown around as something really awful. I mean, we, we get into terms of, does that mean they're a paedophile? Does that mean, you know, that they're, they're immoral? So there's all those values about it. When they then feel shamed, shame is like the oxygen for sex addiction because the more ashamed you are, the more you go back into your addictive cycle to get rid of that feeling of shame. How common is this? Much more common than you would imagine and um, much more common. I've been relationship counselling for nearly 30 years and it, it wasn't around, well, it was around then, but it wasn't presenting in the counselling room then. If you think about it in the old days, to, to sort of do the classic porn things, you had to go to a shop and buy a magazine from the top shelf, hide it under your bed. Whereas now you can nip to the loo and watch porn. It's in your pocket on your phone. It's on the computer at work. It's much more prevalent. And I think that's why, because it's much more available, there's that opportunity. Our brains or the brains of the people that do it are becoming hardwired to doing it again and again. It's a repetitive addictive yeah. process so it was less less so then it happened you know there were porn magazines and there were sex workers but whether that was whether the addictive cycle um it wouldn't have been as easy it wasn't like going to a pub or a yeah. betting shop it, but now it's just there in your pocket in the car you know on the work computer so in your kind of perspective and opinion over the last 30 years you've obviously yeah you've been working with relationships pre and post the internet and social media yes. like how much of a increase in these kind of sex addiction cases have you seen a lot i mean about if you take about 10 cases for example i would say about four will be sex addiction when i started advertising that i did that it was obvious that it's out there because I'm getting the cases and they are genuine. They are genuine cases where there is a spectrum. You can't say you're a sex addict, you're not. You work with the person to work out, you know, are you actually addicted to this or is this just you feeling it's something you shouldn't do but actually you want to? There is a a grey area between being an, an addict and just being somebody that is doing something that goes against their moral or their religious beliefs and they want to stop um, but they're not actually addicted they could stop how do you overcome sex addiction because like alcohol addiction or gambling like, they're not good for you in any way shape or form they're toxic whereas sex is a pleasurable thing and it's, it's it does have health benefits Absolutely. how do you go from yeah. from being addicted to being able to have it in a normal yeah. setting I guess that's a really good question and I think that's where it's it's different because you can give up completely alcohol gambling cocaine and you you know you can give them up full stop draw a line done if you can do it and that sounded easy it's not easy but with sex addiction it's not about well there is that option to give it up but it's actually about changing your relationship with sex so that you because the outcome for most would be that they would want to be able to have sex but have it in a mindful way in a way that was in line with their morals and their beliefs and in a way that they had control control over it and enjoyed it because most of the people who are sex addicts don't enjoy the sexual experience because it leaves them feeling shameful feeling um whatever you know they come out of it thinking i am never going to do that again you know but they do because there's the the dopamine drops and they need another hit of it but yeah I get what you're saying and actually it's like eating what people who are have eating disorders um, and who overeat it's a bit like that it's the closest to eating disorders is is the sex disorder because you can't stop eating it's 
about changing your relationship with it. God, yeah. I, I think it obviously makes more sense now to talk about sex addiction now because, as you mentioned, everything is much more accessible. It's it's right in your pocket as opposed to, as you said, having to go to a, a dirty, seedy shop and potentially yeah. be seen by the public or, or picking up a prostitute yeah. on the side of the street. It's all much more secretive, much more private and much more easily accessible so that, yeah. that potentially might be fueling it. So for someone who might be listening, right, who might be thinking that they're a sex addict, what would you say would be one of the first things that they should do? Well, I would, there's a, um, an association, the APSAC Association, A-T-S-A-C, Association for the Treatment of Sexual Addiction and Compulsivity. I prefer the word compulsivity. It's, it's a, I'm not so keen on sex addict, but that's how we mm. talk about it. And if you go on their website, they will give you a lot of information about, you know, sort of, are you a sex addict? And you can look at the reasons and tick the boxes and work it out yourself. They also give you um, lists of counsellors, therapists who are specifically trained in sex addiction um, that you can contact and you could have a sort of an assessment interview with one of them. They're all working online at the moment. And um, there are, like there are alcohol, there are groups where you can go for an intensive course of, say, 12, 12 evening sessions or an intensive week and work in a group with other people. Group work is fantastic for addictions because the shame sends you inwards. When you're in a group, you're able to talk about your behaviors with other people and you're not shamed. You're accepted for who you are. So the, the um, as with AA for alcoholics, there's, there are some uh, fellowship groups as well. Sex Addicts Anonymous and Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. They're fantastic. My clients who go to those, they're great. Brilliant. Yeah, well, well listen, there you go. Mig, we appreciate you giving up your time this evening and, and popping on. If you want to uh, check out her website, migbannerrelationshipcounselling.co.uk is the place to go. But uh, Mig, thanks a million for popping on F104 this evening. My pleasure. And thanks for highlighting it. I think it needs to be out there to be, um, to be heard about. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.